Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself, richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is, You've Been Served. You've Been Served. If you've ever had any legal problems, someone's been divorced, someone who's been sued, the 14th Amendment allows for something called due process, and in due process, there's this service of process where you can't just, you know, you got to at least give people a chance. You've seen in movies where a guy comes to deliver a pizza, and he's really serving papers, and you've been served, you know, all kind of crazy ways to do it. So let me read you something from a legal website, though. When faced with legal action, some people will make tremendous efforts to avoid being served with legal documents, thinking that they will avoid the consequences of the action against them. This is simply not true. It is important to understand that avoiding being served with legal documents does not make the case against you disappear and it could have negative consequences. So you say, well, I'm gonna hide, I'm gonna go in the basement, I'm gonna leave the country, and as long as they can't serve me those papers, they can't do anything. It's not true. Romans chapter one. So I'm gonna jump in here at verse 16. I'm not gonna read you this whole chapter, but please pay attention to this for your sake, maybe the sake of someone else you're trying to reach. You need to learn how to read scripture and then read scripture to someone else. Okay, now listen really closely. No one cares what you think. No one cares what I think. I try not to stand up here and read you a word out of the scripture and then take off. I'm trying to bury you in scripture because that's what matters. Now I'm trying to explain it the best I can and I'll give an answer and have to be responsible for doing that well or not. But people need scripture. You say, well, the non-believer is not gonna get scripture. God can use his word, right? So when someone asks me a question as much as possible, I will say, turn to this chapter, turn to that chapter, and I'll read it to them. Say, look, this is what the scripture, this is what the Bible says. And then let the Holy Spirit do his work on their heart. So Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So not ashamed of what? The fact that Jesus died on the cross, was buried and raised from the dead. Don't be ashamed of that. Tell people that. You get a chance to tell somebody that, tell them that. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. So where is the wrath of God? Where does it show up? The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who what? who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them. And the word manifest means apparent or it's plain, it's obvious. What may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. Now here's what you can know without a doubt. 
There is not a human being that has ever been born that God has not manifest himself to. All right? Everybody at some point looks up, looks around. For me, for, I'm on a vegetable thing now. Like, a, you know, you look at a vegetable, you know, cauliflower. Big explosion, cauliflower. Big explosion, broccoli. And I'm trying. I really am trying. You're a fool. You're just a fool. You can't come up with all these types of flowers from an explosion. You can't come up with all these animals from an explosion. You can't come up with a human being from an explosion. We are designed. Look in the mirror. It's scary for some, I know, but look in the mirror. Dim the lights. Get a room with a dimmer. <laughs> but think about your systems, your brain. You know, if you die, it's just a bunch of liquid and tissue and like, what? And yet if you have life, your brain's fire and thinking, how are you possibly thinking out of a piece of meat? It's not possible. Heart beating hundreds of thousands of times in a lifetime. Oh, that just big explosion. Why don't you stop for a second and say, God, is that you? Is that you? I saw a lady run a race, world championships. I don't remember what country she was from, and she was crazy fast. And she won her race. And when she hit that line, in her broken English, you could hear her scream out, God did that. God did that. You say, well, no, he didn't. She won the race. She's smart enough to know that God did that. Screaming God did that giving him the glory, because it's not about me. Verse 20, Romans 1, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, so what is the implication here? If you are alive and you have seen the creation, even if you're Helen Keller, blind, deaf, mute, you know there is something other than you. You knew God. There's a point where you knew God. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. You would not acknowledge him. You wouldn't say, it's him, God did that. You got some other explanation, it turns to foolishness and your heart goes dark. And I meet people with dark hearts and it does not work well. It doesn't look good, it does not work. Professing to be wise, they became fools. What does that mean? Oh, there's no God, but I'll tell you what there is. And now they're pontificating and going on and on about their explanation. And if you know anything, you don't have to be educated to know a fool. It's easy to spot a fool. They don't glorify God, they're not thankful. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So instead of worshiping the God who created all this, they start carving, making statues, praying to statues. I can't remember this whole story off the top of my head, but there's a great story where the Ark of the Covenant is captured, they put it in their temple, and I think it's the God Dagon, does that sound right? And they put the Ark of the Covenant in this place where their god Dagon, a big statue, they come in the next morning and Dagon's on his face. You say, well, he fell over. I'll tell you what happened. God knocked him over. 
Even an idol has to bow sooner or later. You will bow. Now, I got this tricky job that is actually a little terrifying. And it's part of the reason I don't want to die and quit trying. Because I know if this is in this room, listening, watching somehow, this is your deal. This is your day. And if it's about one person, that doesn't sound like many unless you're the one. And then if you're the one, then it was all worth it. And all I'm asking you to do is giving glory and be thankful. Stop worshiping his creation. Stop making things that you give your life to, buying things, giving yourself to stuff that is never going to satisfy. Some people move to the mountains, and what do they do? They don't worship God. Not all of them. Some of them worship the mountains, the trees. They get caught up in nature, pantheism. God's in everything, but they will not worship God. They won't yield. It's foolishness. I love going to the mountains because the mountains point me to him. Verse 24, therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. And then if you keep reading, it goes downhill very quickly. Matthew 25. So now this one is not gonna be as pleasant if the first part you thought was. Because the second thing is you've been served by Christians or not. But I'm gonna go almost as far as to say that if someone is a Christian, you've been served by them. And here's why, Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then this, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, feed you, thirsty, give you to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? We had no idea basically. Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Part of what's supposed to be going on in the world, if you've been served, hopefully it's been by a Christian, especially if you're the least of these. People who can do nothing for you. What's a naked person gonna do for you until they get some clothes? What's a hungry person gonna do for you until you feed them? What's a person in prison gonna do for you? They can't get out. Now you say, well, why would you do that? Because if you're a Christian, that's kind of what happens even though you don't know. It's just like, it's like peaches coming off of a peach tree. You say, well, duh. Well, I'm saying, duh. You're a Christian, duh. This is your duh. Hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, prison. It's just what's gonna happen. Verse 41. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You're out of here. Now, please understand this. I am not saying that without Jesus, you go into hospitals, prisons, do all these things, and that's going to get you into heaven. 
What he's saying is the byproduct, the fruit of what comes out of living for Jesus and letting him live in and through you is these type of things are going to happen supernaturally, naturally. But there's a whole group of people end up separated from God in a real hell with the devil and his angels. And verse 42, for I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not take me in. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty or a stranger and naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? we, We didn't see you. We didn't see you. Then he will answer them saying, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Only Jesus can make you righteous. But here's the implication. Faith without, like James said, faith without works is dead. You say you have faith, let's see something. So I'm not trying to scare anybody thinking, well, I'm not doing these things, that means I'm not a Christian. I'm not saying that, but I am telling you, if you're walking with God and he doesn't just live in you, he's allowed to live through you, your life is going to change. I'm on the board of a huge prison ministry. I don't like going to prisons. I tell them this in the board meetings. I don't want to go into prisons. Why are you on the board of the prison ministry? Because it says to do it. It doesn't mean it's always going to be pleasant. You know when it gets really pleasant? When I go in the prison and go in a cell and he's there. He's there. He's in that cell. And I realize I'm not visiting that inmate at all. It's Jesus I'm visiting. I don't want to go out under a bridge somewhere and hand out food when it's hot and cold. I don't want to hand out water. I don't want to do any of these things because it's inconvenient. It's a sacrifice. It's a pain in the butt. Stay home and watch soccer like the good Lord intended us to. And then you load up and he says, hey, I need you down here. You say, Lord, why why do you need me over there? Because I'm down there. And you get down there and there he is under a bridge. I got to be careful how I say things like this, so please don't take this personally. Go places that you can't post about. Go places where it's not about you. It's not about how you look, who you are, what you got. It's about him. And you're nervous about it pointing to anyone but him, even to you. Spend more time in those places. Turns out that's probably where Jesus is. Now, you say, well, so that's our list, right? What was our list here again? Naked, sick, prison, hungry, thirsty, cover that. But let me tell you something, if you get that list down, you're going to explode everywhere else you go. Because if you're doing that, then you're talking to people in the office. Why would you not? John chapter 13. Now, some months sooner or later, if you listen to me long enough, you can say, you've already read these verses. I'm going to keep reading them until we figure this chapter out. This is the guy. This is God in the flesh, living his life, saying these verses. I'm going to read you some more. And then this is what he does with his immediate disciples. John 13, 1, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, and supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, 
and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, takes his clothes off, took a towel, wraps it around himself, girds himself with a towel. So if he doesn't, you know, he's saying he's a servant. Now he looks like a servant. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. This is the most demeaning thing on the planet. Only the lowest of servants, somebody, this is truly serving someone. And to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. You don't get why I'm doing this, Peter, but you will know. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Well, if that's the case, then, you know, give me a bath. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs to only wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him, therefore he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, puts his clothes back on, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? And what's the answer? You've been served. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher, that's who you say I am, and that's who I am, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. That's what's supposed to be happening. My job, if you've ever come to see me, I sit down, we're visiting about whatever. Usually, I hope a lot of the time, I will look at you and say these words. My job is to serve you. That's the job. It is not for you to come in and me try to talk you into doing something. My primary job is because God loves me, I love him, I love myself, I can love you, is to then say, okay, how can I serve you? You say, but you're the pastor, you're one of the elders, you're the boss. No, I'm a servant. Or something's gone terribly wrong. Something's gone terribly wrong. And if that's not what I'm doing, then that's not what we're doing. And in the world, they're never served. They're never put on notice. They miss him because everybody's trying to be the biggest, the greatest, the baddest, the intimidating. I'm the king. I'm on top. And he's got a basin of water at their feet going, look, this is it. This is where you need to start if you're my disciple. And then the world doesn't know what to do with that because no one's doing that. Why do you want to be rich so people can take care of me? And then you say, well, You know, if I do this, then nobody will know who I am. I'll just be some lowly servant and I won't won't even have made a dent. That's how you make a dent. Stop trying to do things to be somebody. I already am somebody. (laughs) I am a servant of the most high God. What else could you want? And beyond that, he's chosen me as his child to be in his family. Everything that is his is mine. What do I have to prove? 
So back down to verse 15, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who has sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Do them. Matthew 20. Go back over there in a second. Almost done. Maybe. Matthew 20. Down in verse 20, all these guys had spent three years with Jesus, almost three years at this point. 20 verse 20, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine sit one on your right hand, one on the left in your kingdom. Like, I'd like to make a reservation for my, not for herself, for her sons. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They said to him, in other words, the two boys, we are able, we can do it. Whatever mom said. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. My dad will decide. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. It cannot be that way. And again, you go back and read the story I read you about washing their feet. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant." And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, talking about himself, did not come to be served, but to serve, and then what? And to give his life a ransom for many. So you find out that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, raised from the dead. For what purpose? To pay for sin. Whose sins? Your sins. You've been served. He served you by giving his life. He served you by shedding his blood to pay for your sin. And all the handwriting of ordinances that are referred to in Colossians 2, nailed to his cross, and whatever was gonna be brought up in that courtroom is gone. It's been blotted out by him. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I wanna share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. Last one is Revelation 20. Now, I get it. If you've stayed with me this long, you're still listening. Let me read you the end, the very, very, very end. And you got to make a decision about this. Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. Now look at this. And the dead were judged 
according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Are you ready to face your books by yourself and explain to God why you did not need his son's blood, his son's death on the cross, why your good deeds outweighed your bad deeds somehow, and the books, they can read all the books, I'm a good person, I don't need your son, God, and see how that works out for you. You have been served, you have been warned, the creation screams it, Christians are trying to reach you. Jesus himself has served us with his own life and set that example. And you think, well, if I avoid it, back to the explanation I read you, when faced with legal action, some people will make tremendous efforts to avoid being served with legal documents, thinking that they will avoid the consequences of the action against them. This is simply not true. It is important to understand that avoiding being served with legal documents does not make the case against you disappear and it could have negative consequences. And the negative consequences are you'd be separated from God forever in a real hell. And you can't say then, God sent me to hell. Everybody who ends up in hell picks hell. Don't pick hell. You've been served. You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talks sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us, richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.